Welcome to the Medical Association of Georgia's award-winning top doc show. With more than 8,000 members who care for patients in every specialty and practice setting, MAG is the leading voice for physicians in Georgia. Go to mag.org to join MAG if you're a physician in Georgia. And thanks to Alliant Health Solutions for its support as a sponsor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Top Docs. I'm your host and MAG CEO, Donald Pomisano. Today's show is going to address the Georgia Board for Healthcare Workforce. It is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Antonio Rios, who is the chair of the Georgia Board for Healthcare Workforce and the chairman of the board of the Northeast Georgia Physicians Group in Gainesville, Georgia, which is one of the largest multi-specialty groups in the state. Dr. Rios, thank you and, and welcome this morning. Thank you, Donald. Good morning. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, so, so can you give us a little bit of information about what is the role of the Georgia Board for Healthcare Workforce? You know, I've, I've thought about that. Uh, I've been thinking about that question, and I, I get surprised as to how many things the board actually is, is doing. The main, the main thing is to try to have physicians stay in Georgia and supply some of the underserved areas with much-needed healthcare providers. So I would say that in the, in it would be the main goal of the uh, of the board however we really uh, are doing a host of other things uh, from trying to uh, fund the medical schools the residency programs and uh, loan repayment programs for our physicians to when they choose to go to an underserved uh, area and uh, we also have the analytics piece which are is really growing to get data from um, the medical students, the residents, physicians, nursing, dentists, PAs, advanced practitioners, uh, nursing, and, um, and, and really try to figure out what we're doing well, what works, what doesn't work, what can we do better to improve the healthcare landscape in our state. And, and, and I think most of our audience and hopefully realizes that Georgia is a very rural state and it's important to get physicians and other healthcare providers out there. And that's a big part of what the, the, the board does. And it's and, and actually getting that data because we rely as a medical society on the data that y'all are collecting so that we have a better understanding of what the needs of the state are as well. That is correct. And I think it's taken um, a lot of work. Uh, the leadership and the relationships of uh, people in our in our board to connect and break the silos from other professional organizations to ensure that we're sharing the data and that we're capturing in a way that makes sense. We can actually look at it and and perform an action on it. Exactly. So. So I, I, I always trip over this because I remember the days when it was called the Georgia Board for Physician Workforce. And, um, and, and so I was hoping not to mess up the intro this morning, but um, why did the board change its name in 2019? We, we started working with other healthcare professionals and at some point we decided, well, this is not only about physicians. You know, we're dealing with uh, PAs, we're dealing with nurse practitioners, with the nurses and uh, dentists as well. So uh, that's when we decided that um, a change in, in name was warranted and we thank the Georgia legislature for their assistance and support through this process. 
So, so can you give us a little bit more information on what type of programs does the board offer? So I think that the uh, programs that we do, we, we fund some operational grants for a couple of medical schools like Morehouse and, and Mercer. We uh, also try to uh, provide loan repayment programs for, uh, for physicians that decide to work in, in rural areas and um, the reporting piece. We support uh, some um, residencies and in medical schools, we also support some Georgia residents that stay within uh, Georgia for medical training. So, so the loan repayment programs, um, I know that's a big piece and, and a lot of that is dependent on a physician going to a rural area, isn't that correct? That is correct. So we, we started initially with a definition of a rural area of less than 30,000 in population. We have expanded it, 35,000, I'm sorry, we have expanded it to 50,000 because we think that that will open a little bit more the uh, opportunities for physicians or other healthcare workers to go to these uh, rural areas. The, the loan repayment program for physicians is 25,000 uh, up to a maximum of a hundred thousand, and in turn, they need to uh, commit to be at least three years in in that area. A failure to commit will need to uh, will will trigger a repayment back to the to the state with uh, triple damages. So it's a hefty price to pay if you decide to not keep your commitment. For uh, APPs, the, the loan repayment program is 10,000 up to 40,000 uh, a max. And, um, and we, we have learned over time programs that work and don't work. We initially were involved in doing scholarship programs for people that were starting medical school and they had committed to doing a primary care uh, residency. And, you know, when you go to med school, you have no clue what you're going to do. Right. And uh, things changed, and we have a lot of people that defaulted, and we spent a lot of time and energy trying to recoup those funds. So we have um, sunset that, that program. Right, right. So, so the board itself, um, who appoints the board? The, uh, the governor actually appoints the board, and the members are ratified by the Georgia Senate. So um, we have... 15 uh, members, and there's a host of division of, of who gets what role, etc. But um, we have physicians and we have non-physicians. We have healthcare administrators and we have a business uh, community representative as well. We are uh, in the. Uh, we have several vacancies currently and are awaiting the governor's direction. And we think that we're going to get a, a dentist, a nurse, a PA. Nurse practitioner. Okay, and then um, who currently serves on the board? So um, we have our executive director, which is uh, uh, Lashawn Hughes, who also oversees the Georgia Composite Medical Board, and uh, and her team, which is phenomenal, by the way. And we have uh, physicians from uh, rural areas, our own Scott Bolke, yeah. and, and uh, Dr. Jim Barber. And who are very active with MAG. And um, we have uh, healthcare administrators. We have uh, uh, Mr. Will Camp from uh, uh, South Georgia. Yes. And um, we have uh, Winnet gastroenterologist, uh, Dr. Indra Krishnan. 
We have a pediatrician, the current uh, uh, head of the Georgia Academy of uh, Pediatrics. And, um, you know, we have other board members as well. But they are all extremely active. And uh, the conversations are, are fantastic. The discussion is really uh, pointed. We have people that have served on the board for a, for a while. Uh, uh, physicians from uh, Macon, uh, uh, Dr. Del Maso from uh, Atlanta, who have been in the previous iterations of the Georgia Board of Physician Workforce and, and bring all that historical perspective as well. And I think that's important for, for, for our audience to know is that um, you do have a good number of rural physicians on there who, act, who practice in rural Georgia. So they bring that perspective on how to get physicians to come to rural Georgia and other healthcare providers. Because as we all know that um, in, in certain parts of Georgia, the, the, the payer mix um, is just not there. And so um, if you don't have a good commercial payer mix, um, then you're relying heavily on public programs. And so it's a little bit harder to, to, to make a living and keep that office open. It is, so, it is hard. It is complicated because it, it is not only supplying a provider to a rural area, it's having the facilities to be able to work in that area, like a OBGYN. You know, they, they need a place to deliver babies. And unfortunately, those facilities are getting more and more scarce as rural hospitals are going, are shutting down. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, uh, you know, for our audience is that Georgia has um, many, we have 159 counties, and I believe it's about 60 counties, and I'm going off the top of my head, that don't have OBGYN services. Maybe a little bit more, yes. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. So, so how does the board define success? So I, I think it has to do with, uh, with the getting the data, you know, getting the, the survey results of um, where are our residents going, which jobs they're pursuing, and, and, and trying to figure out, uh, are they taking advantage of the programs that we are offering to help them become successful uh, professionals? I, like you said, I think having the perspective and the input of current rural physicians that are working in those areas is, is extremely important because they can really... Um, and not only bring the, the issues, the problems, the opportunities to, to the board that we can share with our applicants, uh, but also see what are the programs that are most successful. So uh, we're looking at how many uh, physicians are staying in Georgia after training and how many of those are staying in our uh, underserved areas performing any of the specialties that we have defined as primary care. And are you finding that if physicians do their residencies in Georgia, they become part of that community and are more likely to stay in Georgia? Yes, we feel that uh, if you have the, the, the whole high school, medical school residency in Georgia, very high likelihood that they'll stay in Georgia. Uh, if they do their, their residency in Georgia, there's a high chance that they'll stay in Georgia. Um, so if our physicians, our medical students go out of state for residency, uh, it, the, the odds drop that they'll come back. So to, I know we touched upon this a little bit, 
but can you um, just kind of further um, explain for our audience the board's relationship with the medical schools in our state? So we, we provide um, funding to our medical schools, Mercer University, Emory University, uh, PCOM, uh, Georgia Campus, and uh, Morehouse uh, School of Medicine for a designated number of Georgia residents to uh, be enrolled in the medical schools. And this uh, funding is determined by the General Assembly uh, based on a per student rate uh, determined by the Assembly and stipulated by the, contra the, the, the contract. So um, we, we do have that survey that um, every year that informs ourselves, that informs the General Assembly uh, what's happening uh, with, with the students and what are the opportunities to ensure that the money is well spent, that we are really getting a return on the investment of, of, of the taxpayers. Well, we, I know at, at MAG, we, um, we work with, with some of the medical schools, um, and I know that it's been fascinating talking to the, to the medical students about when they're getting ready for their residencies. If, um, and like you said, the ones that, that are from Georgia, um, you know, that maybe they, they come from rural Georgia or what have they have their family here. While they may be going out of state for their residency, they're willing to come back. But if the ones are not from Georgia, you know, then, you know, they're not doing their residency here. It's more than likely that they're not coming back. And that's what's unfortunate, um, given that we do need more physicians here. That is correct. And I think that, um, you know, we know that um, medical students enter residency with a hefty debt on, on yeah. the burden and, uh, you know, average of $200,000. So I think that uh, any assistance with uh, loan repayment programs is uh, extremely welcome to uh, to these uh, physicians. Can you tell me a little bit about the residency programs in the state that you do some work with as well? So we have about uh, 2,500 uh, resident positions wow. in Georgia. And, you know, we it, it's grown significantly from just the usual established uh, larger university programs like Emory, Augusta, um, Morehouse, and to really start the community residency programs, you know, the large programs and uh, well starts um, and um, uh, Winnet, Athens, Piedmont, uh, and Northeast Georgia. So uh, I think we're seeing uh, quite an increase in this part of the legacy of uh, Governor Peel that he wanted to ensure uh, adequate number of residencies or increase the number of residency slots so our Georgia students didn't have to leave the state. So it is, um, it's interesting. We have a, a, the average rate age of the respondents is about 27 years old. And, um, and I, so it is, it is encouraging to see that we're able to offer more positions in, in, in South Georgia uh, you know, in Colquitt and, and uh, the Savannah area, of course, and uh, Memorial. And uh, throughout the state, little by little, starting to increase the opportunities for uh, residents to, to find uh, positions and eventually jobs, hopefully, here in Georgia. And I think it's important for our audience to realize that um, residency slots were determined back in uh, 1997 based on population by the federal government. And that's a very simplistic explanation of it. And I realize that, but it's that the numbers haven't grown for us here in Georgia, 
even though our population has grown so much. That's and states correct. that have lost population have not lost residency slots. That is correct. So it, is, it is a complicated uh, system and how these residency slots are assigned. And once a program applies for residency, they have five years to determine the number of residents and past that five years, they're locked. They can't add uh, anymore. Uh, they can, but uh, they would be on funded uh, positions. And I think it's also important is that that's why the states now have been funding the residency slots, and that's what Governor uh, Nathan Deal did. I think it was back in about 2012, I believe it was, that he started it um, to be able, because of our shortage and because the federal government wasn't, um, hasn't changed their process since the, the late 1990s. And it's a, it's a huge investment on part of, the, uh, of these training sites to develop the educational program, the faculty, right. and uh, host the resident physicians during their training. Exactly. So um, how does the board promote residency programs and job creation in Georgia? So uh, we have uh, at least four fairs a year in different parts of the state where we invite uh, all the, the, in the medical schools and we go and invite all the residency programs to, you know, participate and put their put up their tent and uh, sell themselves so um you know usually there's the uh recruitment team usually you have uh the program directors or assistant program directors and and faculty that go and talk to the residents and try to you know entice them to come to every program and i think you know for our audience as well is that, um, as you said, these, these programs are around the state. It's a wonderful opportunity um, for the students, you know, to, to, to meet up with the residency programs, get a better feel, and that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a great opportunity to keep them here in Georgia as well. I think so, and, and we, we further continue with a similar type program uh, with the residents, but in this case, it's for jobs. Right. So we bring everybody that's hiring uh, and uh, bring them together and that way the physicians can get a, a feel of what's out there and, and what you know, opportunity would be best for them and their families. Right. So um, obviously um, COVID-19 has wreaked havoc um, not only on people's <laughs> lives but also in, um, in, in, on state budgets, on everybody's budget. Um, and when you look at it, um, there have been proposed budget cuts uh, well, actually, budget cuts that actually are going into effect now because of the, 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 the July 1 budget. Um, so how have these budget cuts impacted the board's programs? So we were on a, quite an emotional roller coaster with uh, mm -hmm. where the budget cuts were announced. You know, it's 4%, then there's more. And, uh, and we actually, Lasharna and myself, went to the legislature to, to speak to the House members and... Uh, and or delegation and say, you know, this is hurting. And these are the programs that we know that have success. These are the metrics. And um, we were able to, the, the, the legislature uh, heard us and they were able to uh, protect a significant amount of cuts uh, from, uh, from the board so that we can continue our mission to really supply the, the much needed uh, Georgia health workforce. And just so our audience realizes that um, Governor Kemp had, had, had uh, recommended cuts over the next basically two budget cycles 
of, of around 10% total. And then um, COVID hit, and then we had to have a special session um, or, or come back. We had to, they, they, they um, you know, recessed the session. They came back in July, which is highly unusual, but because of COVID and also to deal with the budget impact that the state has had. And so you're seeing that as it's impacting programs, but because there's also less tax revenue coming in as well. So Correct. with people losing jobs and what have you. So are you seeing any um, noteworthy trends in Georgia? So uh, if you talk about um, residents staying in Georgia, I think what we are looking at is that Georgia is becoming um, a more desirable place to do a residency, even for folks from out of state. Um, I think slowly the conception or perception that you only get good training at large academic uh, programs is, is dissipating finally, because I think people are realizing that the acuity of um, illness is present anywhere and right. everywhere. You have a very talented clinical force at any point, at any site, and, uh, and, and the young residents are getting a, a very fine training uh, that is completely adequate. And, and I think that it goes more in part with the real life that is not academics, it's the actual practicing the day-to-day -day medicine in uh, urban, suburban, rural areas. I, you know, uh, MAG does a program um, where we um, have residents, transitional year residents, come work with us. And, uh, and so what's been fascinating to me is that they're mostly working with, um, with people out in, in, in private practice, uh, yes. learning from them for, you know, for about a month and then move on to the next rotation. And I, I think it's fascinating because we've had a lot of great residents come through. They come to, and we make them come do a top doc show to talk about their stories and their experience. And it's quite fascinating, um, especially when um, somebody who's in internal medicine now, but he was one of our first residents and he had just come off a rheumatology rotation. And we were talking about prior authorizations and he got it firsthand. And a lot of times you got to explain to folks, you know, hey, yes. this is the prior. But he was just like, oh, I get it now. For, for everything that was being prescribed, we had to actually sit there and get prior authorization. And he understood how much time it took out of the physician's day to do that for their patients. So it was, Absolutely. It, it's fascinating. So I think there's a lot, there's a wealth of experience to be gained. Through no doubt. And, and, and there are so many efficiencies in the system that until we as physicians get involved with you guys, uh, that we'll have the opportunity to address them. So, so how can the board help ensure that Georgians in rural or underserved areas have access to care? Well, I think that um, we need to continue working not only uh, with the medical schools, uh, but you know, with all the other uh, healthcare professional organizations and our, our hospital colleagues to ensure how, how can we right. all come together to a solution where we can supply uh, a healthcare provider and, and you know, and reassure or ensure that they have a successful outcome, right? We, we want to make some, that somebody that decides to go to County X is able to have a fulfilling career in, in that county, whatever it is that they choose and that they're using uh, their training to the max. 
So I think that it's, again, uh, having access to the information, having the, the support of the physician organizations and other professional uh, healthcare organizations to uh, help us share the message that uh, where, the, where the needs are, how can we make it palatable for these uh, practitioners to go to those areas and, and you know help them and support them as long as we can so that until they're able to launch on their own. Exactly. Well, good. Well, uh, well Dr. Rios, how can our audience get more information about the board? So we have our, our website, the, uh, the Georgia Board for uh, Healthcare Task Force. It's really been revamped, and we have links to all the different surveys that we use, all the data. I mean, you'll, you'll get data until you uh, don't want any more. Um, and I think our policies, procedures, uh, even interviews, we have our social media channels as well and, and Twitter. And um, so, uh, and, and so feel free to follow us <laughs> over there. Well, I tell you, I've, 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 uh, we get a lot of data and we use a lot of your data, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in a lot of our efforts to just try to educate folks on, um, you know, how many physicians are in Georgia, where, where are some of the troubled areas in Georgia where there's access to care and things like that. So we can't thank you enough for the great work that the board is doing in providing that data, uh, especially to us, to help us help educate uh, uh, people and, and policymakers as well. Thank you, Donald. It's a, it's a team effort, and we have a phenomenal team uh, in, in the, at the board office. And um, the latest thing is we're working with the nursing data, and it's very soon it'll come to uh, fruition, a very robust uh, uh, database and, and information from the nursing that we've never had before. So uh, we're excited about that. And, and I do have to um, maybe embarrass LaShawn News a little bit, but um, she's fantastic. She, she's very responsive, uh, very easy to get a hold of, always extremely helpful. So um, I, I, hopefully LaShawn watches this and, um, and hopefully I embarrassed her just a little bit. <laughs> uh, she's doing a phenomenal job. She's, she's really taking this board to the next level. Absolutely. And, and uh, we have a fantastic team that are so engaged and, and committed to our mission, which is really gratifying to see. Well, Dr. Rios, do you have any final thoughts or key takeaway uh, messages? No, uh, Donald, I think that, uh, you know, we, we tend to uh, focus on our own practice, on what we do on the day-to-day -day basis. But, uh, you know, once we look at how our state is performing in healthcare, it, it is not uh, something to brag about, you know, our, our mortality and maternal deaths, um, uh, sepsis, uh, drug abuse, health, uh, mental health, et cetera, et cetera. So we have a lot of work to do, and, and the only way that we're going to be able to do it is, is doing it together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Donald. Thank you to you and your, and your team as well, and I appreciate the opportunity to share this important information. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for what you're doing for your patients. And we also like to thank and applaud uh, the rest of our tireless and heroic physicians and allied healthcare professionals and staff for everything that they're doing, especially right now um, during these times with COVID-19. From everybody at MAG, thanks for watching, and we'll catch up with you on the next edition of Top Docs. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks for watching this episode of Top Docs. Please share this program with your colleagues and family and friends.
Remember to follow Mag on Facebook and Twitter. And don't forget, you can get past episodes of the show at mag.org backslash top docs. From everybody at Mag, we look forward to catching up with you on our next episode of Top Docs. 